95. Brought to you from the barnacle-covered underside of Pat's surfboarding fantasies. Oh, that hurts. <laughs> wow. Who are you, anyway? I'm, I'm Mike, one, one of, of your hosts. Uh, oh, you are one of our hosts. You're not just Mike. You're not just some random dude named Mike. Right, that, right, was, that was dramatic pause. You're not a microphone? That's correct. That's correct. You're not a microgram of something. And, <laughs> and who are you, talking heads? <laughs> Hi, I'm one of your hosts, Pat. Like, as in a unit of butter? <laughs> oh, I thought that was a pad of butter, P-A-D. No, it's a pat of butter. Pat? pat? Yeah. T is, T is in tango, not D is in delta? Yeah. Wow. wow. Shows you how much I know. Well, you know what D and T are right. in military right. words. <laughs> All right. Butter expert, what's your name? Craig. And I'm also one of your hosts. And by host, <laughs> no. You mean okay. like... You are either our server, or you are our source of an infectious disease. <laughs> so, so since we only have one thing to talk about this episode, are we going to try and fill it up with lame humor? I th- I, that's what, that was my angle. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, what about those that airplane food? I swear. <laughs> you like go on the airplane, and they're like, here, have some food. <laughs> that's pretty lame humor. And what about the Avon lady? Ding dong. What's up with that? (laughs) Anybody who watched Cheers would recognize that as a Cliff Clavin joke. So, yeah, apparently Craig's amusing himself. (laughs) Craig's amusing himself. What's up with that? (laughs) Maybe we can just let Craig uh, do do the episode. Yeah, Yeah. no, that sounds good to me. Pat, if we were live closer together, you and I would go have a beer now. And then uh, Craig could record the episode by himself. Yeah, I can be there in like 11 hours. So. <laughs> you, can you can be here quicker than that. <laughs> Tweaking Geek, what's up with that? <laughs> okay, I promise I won't say that anymore this episode. So, so, so this is awesome. We're going is, back to our geek roots here. Yeah, this, yeah, this is a heavy episode. <laughs> uh, <laughs> can you hear me clapping? Is that a, is that a single-handed clap? Uh, this is nice. Yeah. So, um, why is this episode heavy, Mike? Well, well, this episode is about gravity, and actually, more specifically, uh, the one of the quantum gravity theories and how it was most likely disproven uh, by a recent observance of a uh, or an exploding star that was very, very distant. So if it's quantum gravity, does that mean this episode's heavy unless it's not? Right. right. So, so for those listening at home that don't know what quantum gravity is, it's one of the theories which tries to reconcile general relativity with quantum mechanics. So general relativity describes how objects uh, act in a, a large scales, uh, and quantum mechanics describes how particles act at uh, subatomic scales. And as of right now, the way things act at those different scales, they don't really make sense. So uh, for anyone who has more questions about quantum mechanics, Craig explains it all in episode four. (laughs) So that's going way back. um, Apparently we've talked about this before, sort of. Some of this. And that's that's why uh, we lost uh, all of our other hosts and guest hosts for this episode. 
<laughs> I think this well, is fascinating. Enough. All right, Craig, nerd out on us. What what does all this mean? Forty-two. No. <laughs> <laughs> is that a Hitchhiker. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy joke? Yes. It's a right. very unique and original joke that's never been told before. Ooh. Okay. So, do we, all right. Let's talk about gravity a little bit. All right. So we we talked about quantum mechanics. One of the one of the issues with gravity is that. All right, let me take one step back, and I promise I won't nerd out too much because we'll lose all our listeners. Are we, are we about to talk about <laughs> action at a distance? Because that uh, sounds kind of hot. It is. I actually, if you ever want, I have a book on action. They call it spooky action at a distance. That's an Einstein term uh, for quantum entanglement, but that has nothing to do with this. All right, so there's, and it has no pictures, so <laughs> right. So, so don't get it's not the kind of book you thought it was going to be. No, it, it's really it's good. not like when Craig went to see the movie Babe. <laughs> <laughs> I like talking pigs. All right, so all right, there are four f- fundamental forces in the universe: electromagnetism, weak force, and strong force. Electromagnetism has to do with Electricity. You forgot gravity. Oh, yeah, and gravity. Sorry, I, I, I kind of, it was implied. All right, so the, the electromagnetism, strong, weak, and gravity. So electromagnetism, strong and weak, all basically are, you know, unified. They're, they are uh, unified mathematically. Uh, they make sense together for those of you listening from home. Yeah, they make sense uh, together. For instance, at the time near the time of the Big Bang, they can basically say that all of these forces were really combined into one force, and they're all they all kind of manifest themselves in the same way. They both have both or all three of them have attraction and repulsion. No, no, the three uh, the electromagnetism weak and strong all have. Oh. They, they they act at small distances. They all have attraction and repulsion, uh, and they also uh, they exchange. And the force is manifested by the exchange of virtual particles between the actual force bearing particles. So th- they kind of all are the same thing, it just in different ways, and they all have like some form of charge. Now gravity is different because uh, Einstein said with his theory of relativity that gravity comes from basically the uh, the curvature of space. And uh, as far as we know, there's no way, or, you know, until recently, there was no way to say how does, you know, has gravity ever been unified with the other three forces? So that's that's the primer on uh, why. So, and, so, and so curvature of space is like if you took a uh, kind of a rubbery tarp and you stretched it out and then you put a ball in the middle of it, it would kind of create like a sinking in that area. So if you kind of whizzed another ball by it, it would kind of fall into orbit around that other ball. Well, probably not in reality unless you hit it right on, but that describes the curvature of space. That's how things act in the, in the real world. Exactly. So in the, in the real world, but not, I mean, all of this is generally very difficult to observe, right? Um, it, it's kind of theoretical, but it takes difficult experiments to see any quantum actions, right? But, but well, the, you mean the curvature of space actions is that what you mean? Yes. Yeah, yeah, and they have, and they actually have. Like, there's uh, one famous experiment uh, had to do with uh, uh, during an eclipse. They were able to actu- actually uh, observe uh, the planet Mercury next to the sun uh, during a like a solar eclipse, and they were actually able to predict using relativity and you know gravity basically uh, where they would see Mercury, and it was off a little bit from where it actually was because of the uh, gravitational field of the sun. The yeah, the, yeah, because yeah. the light bent around... Uh, right. uh, oh, wow. Yeah, so in, in, 
we know so that all you have to do is position Mercury on the other side of the sun during a solar eclipse. That sounds easy. <laughs> well, yeah. It, it, <laughs> well, and they have other. There's actually been a lot of experiments. So basically, general relativity has been experimentally proved. Uh, so, so it's not. So that's like not up for debate. You know, we know it's there. But it's like, how does this kind of? There, there's this kind of model. The way that all of you know this quantum stuff works is called the standard model, which basically says everything is particles and you know it all has to do with quanta of energy or quanta of energy or force or you know charge which, which, which is saying that uh, like energies and forces and all that they have certain minimum discrete units exactly right. yeah yeah it's almost like digital versus analog uh, it, it, th- that's a great analogy and so, so and and uh, now that we're getting into the quantum mechanics end of things so we should point out that at the subatomic scale if you have two particles they don't interact with each other the way that two pieces of rock would interact with each other in space. And that's that's kind of the difference that we're talking about here, and, and that's what people are trying to reconcile is why does why do these two particles act like this, whereas these two, you know, larger objects act differently? Right. And uh, what we you know, and one mystery. And, and this this isn't like crazy theoretical stuff, right? This is this is important when it comes to like smaller and smaller microchips. No, but well the thing is it, it's well, the the gravity part, right? The quantum part is, but the gravity part isn't because gravity is basically negligible uh for very small masses. So what is quantum gravity? We haven't answered that yet. So it, it's it's one of the theories that kind of brings together you know the standard model or the theory of relativity and the quantum mechanics, and you know basically from what I understand it, the the way it works is that it quantizes gravity. <laughs> wow, that was, that was <laughs> so well. The quantum theory of gravity is that gravity is quantum. Okay, I'm with you. Well, so like you would have uh, gravitons, right? Isn't that the idea? The gravitons would be the the discrete smallest unit of gravity. Um, well, I think th- that's one theory of, of like having a particle, like the force transmitting particle, being gravitons. Uh, isn't isn't that? But that's not quantum gravity. Well, well, there's several. Uh, it, it, it's just basically just breaking the gravity down into. I, I don't know. I, I, maybe I'm not sure if it like gra- if it names graviton specifically, but it but it has to do with like gravitational force being broken down into discrete units. And uh, so what Craig is really saying is that we should research what we're talking about well, before. We- well, there's two. All right, so there's uh, several ways. Uh, so one, this article that Mike found. Uh, is was actually very providential because one of the theories of quantum gravity is called loop qua- bleh, loop quantum gravity, and it has to do with uh, uh, quantizing the effects of gravity, but not meshing it with the standard model. So basically, saying it's kind of its own theory of quantum gravity, which really has nothing to do with the other three forces. And this article says that uh, that's probably wrong, which is good because it. It, se- it would seem to be inconsistent if we had, like, gravity, the gravity quantum theory was, like, different than, uh... Right, and it's almost kind of a cheat to say, oh, let's just treat this as its own thing. Yeah. It's like, yeah. there was a researcher once that was like, you know, if we take time out of all the equations, everything makes sense. <laughs> you know, if we just assume that there is no time and that, you know, that life as we know it is just a series of, you know, frame, you know, blocks of, what am I trying to say? 
time as we know it. Yeah, it's just a bunch of instances all lined up in front of each other. Then everything's great. It's like, yeah, yeah, if you take time out of all the equations. You know what the easiest way to make all equations make sense? (laughs) Multiply both sides by zero. (laughs) It's algebraically (laughs) consistent. And then you have everything works fine. But algebra algebra is a construct of. Okay. So back to quantum gravity. Um, so there, so there was a theory of quantum gravity that said quantum gravity is its own thing, and so what happened that we don't believe that anymore? Okay. Okay. So, so uh, uh, this in this particular theory of gravity, one of the testable things is that uh, the speed of light is, is not. How do I describe this? I don't know, Craig. 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 Help? Can you describe the Lorentz invariance and then describe how this? You know, the observation of this very distant exploding star. Yeah, so a Lorentz invariance, basically, it has to do with uh, that regardless of the reference frame, that the velocity or the speed of light is constant. So basically, we, Mike and I were talking earlier, uh, and you know, we were talking about if you shine two uh, laser, pens. Yeah, laser pens at each other, are you know, relative to one laser pen is... The other, you know, or like the is the are, you know are the light is the light from one laser pen flowing past the light at the other laser pen at twice the speed of light? And the answer is no. It's flowing past it at the speed of light. And, and actually, Craig did a very good job of explaining this to me. And basically, it is for the photons traveling from pen A because they're traveling so fast. Time is so slow, and since speed is distance divided by time, so since their time is going slower, even though the light traveling in the opposite direction uh, is also going the speed of light the other way to it the speed of light because of the time slowness is is the same as for anything else so right and, and, and yeah and I just wanted to say so the Lorentz invariance is a tenet of uh, relativity it is it is from the relativity side of things so so this uh, burst of gamma rays that came from it a star exploding um, proved that the Lorentz invariance holds. Right. right, because if I if I understand correctly, this quantum gravity would have said that the light arriving from this very, very distantly exploded star should have a little bit different redshift than relativity would predict. And I guess this is the farthest star that we've seen explode, and the redshift was spot on for, for what we would have expected based on relativity. Is that right, Craig? Yes, that's, that is so my interpretation also. Basically, throughout this theory... Uh, which, is, which is very cool because the whole thing about science is you know you you make a hypothesis and then you test it and it's hard to test a lot of these things but in this case we were kind of dealt some information that made it very easy to test it so because you can't just go make a star explode way off in the distant corner of the universe but if you happen to observe one then you have the data that you need so for the listeners for whom we've been going wah 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 for the last twenty minutes what this basically says is. Uh, the grand unified theory where everything can be boiled down to one force um, is still possible. Exactly. And that yes. force probably does not come from midichlorians. <laughs> <laughs> well, well so, not, so, until, not until episode one, which happens after episode six. Right. So, anyway. so, this, so this is good news for science. Yay, science. Well, I, you know, I don't think it's good news. It would have been bad news for science if this uh, had gone the other way. It would have been bad news for scientists have... trying to research Grand Unified Theory. That is, that is 
Well, kind of true. Because like Craig said before, all it would have meant is that that aspect of their grand unified theory would have been on its own. We have to remember that... All it really would say is that there's this is a mathematical model that can treat you know quantum gravity, and so it's it's uh, one thing we have to remember is that all of these things are just mathematical constructs. So it's there's really you know the reality underlying it is something incomprehensible, and it's just it just means that we would have found a mathematical model that would describe you know its effects. So you know and. That that's always a win, and to say that it's not it, I would say you know it's like okay, hopefully Pat, you're right. We'll find a grand unified theory. Maybe that's what the Large Hadron Collider will will do when it collides. When a, there's no baguette falling upon it from the sky. What if we find that really the missing uh, <laughs> that they're like when you in- introduce a baguette into the equation, the Lorentz uh, Lorentz invariance is broken. <laughs> <laughs> So when we shine light through baguette, it exits the other side of the baguette before it enters the first side. <laughs> hey, what a, what a great shine reference a light to at- our lame news from an entire week ago. Yes. Yes, that was a very long time ago. That What a great memory. That we remembered it. <laughs> what, what lame news was that? Oh, the, the bird baguette thing. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, yes. I like baguettes. <laughs> and I like last week. And I like lame news. Yes, well, are we done talking about quantum gravity before we talk about uh, this week's lame news? Yeah. I think we are. I think, I we, think we covered it. All right. If anybody has any questions, please email us at tgtweakinggeek.com. Or if you want us to never talk about we will forward them to Craig because none of the rest of us can answer these questions. This is fun. Anyway. So basically we'll have Craig explain it and then either Pat or I will decipher it for the listeners. So it's officially time for the lamest news of the week. All right, All right so I have a, I have a bit of lame news that will make Pat's mom happy. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. They've, they've figured out a way to synthesize boxes of wine. Oh. <laughs> No, they've uh, they've figured out a way to synthesize uh, a part of the penile tissue that previously was difficult to synthesize. Um, basically, researchers have taken and made artificial penises on on bunnies, uh, and that includes even the spongy tissue, as they call it, which was the previously difficult to replicate tissue. In unrelated uh, news, wink, wink. Mike's getting some plastic surgery. <laughs> Well, did you know that if you have this surgery and you get uh, whatever, it, it says that the rabbits that had the implants were especially randy, <laughs> or no, unusually yes. randy. Yes, and, and they were quicker to finish. <laughs> and they're also uh, hanging out with Smiling Bob from Enzite. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's going to be stuck in my head now. Thanks a lot. Um, so it says that the resulting penises were identical to their natural kin in response to electrical and chemical stimuli. I don't really know how many people pour chemicals on their penises. <laughs> uh, apparently, if you did, this would be exactly the same. It also says the recipient rabbits proved eager to copulate with eight of the 12 rabbits with implants achieving ejaculation and four becoming fathers. All right. 
Um, wow. So that's that's that, my late news. We that, actually have people researching how to reconstruct penises. That that might not be lame. I mean, that sounds like genuine medicine. Uh, lame reporting, perhaps? Okay, I could give you that. <laughs> okay. I, I, here, here's the lame reporting. Here's the, uh, here's the headline. Artificial penis research hops ahead in rabbit. <laughs> oh, okay. Totally lame. Human tests to begin. It did not say that. Did it say that? It does say that. Huh. Look it up. I'm afraid. All right. Uh, so my lame news is a school in Massachusetts banned the word meep. Um, Why? It's now a punishable offense. Um, and that's because of a Muppet who's near and dear to Craig's heart, Beaker who says nothing but meet, meet, meet. Um, and students were using that to disrupt classes, and they were, like, planning meep flash mobs and just disrupting the entire school. Uh, so it's now against the rules. So what you're saying is that if the Roadrunner went to that school, he would constantly be in detention? That is what I'm saying, I guess. So, so also what you're saying is next week uh, they're all going to be saying, Eat drums! Eat drums! <laughs> Animal! <laughs> next thing you know, they'll ban every word in the English language, and then they'll wonder why the kids don't raise their hands when questions are asked. <laughs> nice. So, yeah, no, I, think, I think this is a really bad way to deal with uh, that kind of problem. Yeah, I think you ignore them. That's, that's very lame. Um, oh, and they used Facebook, by the way, which makes it even lamer. That That's where they planned their uh, meat protest, because nothing says private like walls. <laughs> yep. And Windows is life without walls. That's right. All right, so Craig, what do you have? Uh, mine is that on November 6th, uh, a seven-meter asteroid came within two Earth radii of the Earth, and uh, NASA only noticed it 15 hours prior. So uh, if, if it had hit, I doubt it would have wiped out all life on Earth. It probably wouldn't have actually done much. But still, the fact that NASA only noticed it 15 hours earlier is... Uh, disturbing because i don't know about that dude someone spotted a 21 foot asteroid at two earth radii oh they, I mean, they like they, sharp eyes yeah, but they track a lot of stuff in space like smaller it's, than it, that like it's up, not down like to like a, a meter binoculars sitting at fort asteroid watch i don't know well no i just think it's you know it, it's just one of those things you'd think like they would be tracking oh they would know i mean this came really close i mean this came like twenty thousand miles which is pretty close you know it, yeah, it sounds like a lot but in astronomical distances that's just blind luck that it well missed. and the other thing that we should point out is the fact that if you i mean this is why even though the sun puts out so much energy you know the earth doesn't cook because when you divide that energy over its 360 degrees in two axis, uh you know it, it ends up being a, a small amount of radiation that hits earth so if you turn that around to be able to look at the entire 360 degrees in both axes, uh, looking away from the Earth and attempt to spot every object that might hit it, uh, that's that's a very daunting task. And it's my understanding that we only observe like five percent of the the uh, sky at any given time at the moment. So who knows what we're not seeing fly by? Right. Which just you know, and I, I I'm not I'm definitely not saying that they should always have that capability. You know, like it, but. It's important because something like that, I mean, all it would take is, all right, so they can track, like, objects that size. There's And I think they, they had actually tracked this one 
or I guess it's now known. Well, but well, and and the thing is, they can definitely track objects of that size, but once they know about them. So, like, we track right. all that stuff in our orbit that's very, very small, but we already know it's there, and we know where to look and, and all that. But uh, as far as things just kind of flinging through space or things that we're flying past as we move through space, yeah, uh, yeah, we can definitely track it, but we got to know about it first. Right. It, it def- well, we just need to I – th- I think it just – I don't know. I, I just think it's more like, all right, it's the scariest news of the week because it's, all it would take is that. I mean, that would destroy a city, you know, or, I mean, it would – this is not the Halloween episode. A, a very small city. It would destroy like a house. No, I mean it, it would. It would destroy. That, that's big. I mean that that would leave a big crater. You know. I mean it maybe wouldn't destroy New York City, but it would definitely destroy Pat's mom. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it would actually just. Well, what if she gets her penile reconstruction surgery though? <laughs> it, so would, it, it, it would, could have been something on par with like the Novosibirsk uh, airburst, right? Yes, exactly. I've never heard it pronounced like that, but I like that pronunciation. <laughs> well, I thought he was going to say, I've never heard of that before, but exactly, which Craig has been known to do. <laughs> so, so that is, uh, in the early 20th century, there was a, uh, a very large explosion out in the middle of nowhere in Siberia. Um, and it's especially weird because the site of impact is completely undamaged, but tens to hundreds of miles away, trees are uprooted and blown over. And it's a good thing it happened in the middle of Siberia because nobody lived there. Yet. Yet. Well, not not after that. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's just one of those unexplained things. Like, no one's quite sure exactly what happened, but whatever blew up, it was really big. And the leading theories are stuff like, you know, a, a small comet or something. I, I saw a cool show on that, and they actually yeah, were able to simulate, uh, you know, because it was like, it had this weird pattern, because it wasn't just like a big round pattern. It was this kind of odd pattern of like how the trees were pushed over and they were actually able to they used in a lab like uh, they hit these like it was like matchsticks or something and they uh shot like a flaming uh mass of something at this thing at different trajectories and they were actually able to uh simulate the trajectory that it uh that it came in at so it came in at a really shallow angle actually no, which no 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 it 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 this was an uh the aliens early attempt at crop circles uh <laughs> but when they realized that humans probably wouldn't be able to see that big of an area oh. yet. Uh, and the fact that it was out where no one lived, they decided to move over the wheat. Yeah, so there have been all sorts of crazy theories about it, too. It's like, was it a micro black hole? Was it uh-huh. blah, blah, blah. <laughs> But it turns out it was probably like a comet at a weird angle. Well, plus, well, plus CERN, CERN's uh, Large Hadron Collider wasn't online yet at that time. so That's true. But there was nothing on Earth capable of making micro black holes just yet. What about macro black holes? Well, we won't talk about those. Okay. That's, yeah, that's we're another done. show. Get, would you guys knock it off my mom? <laughs> I did not I did not say that. Uh, so, as soon as you started on Michael Black Holes, I knew it was coming. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Alrighty. All righty. So, on, on that note. Well, who wins? All right. Um, let's say Pat, Pat, Pat wins. wins. Yeah. I don't know. I think, I think rabbit penises are pretty lame. Well, the reporting on it was lame, but I, I think Pat did, you know, raise the good point that Craig is going to need that kind of surgery later on if he's ever to uh, <laughs> be single. So, you know, that, that's not lame at all. I only have one word to say to you guys. Meep. Three <laughs> <laughs> drums. Three <laughs> drums. So, um, I don't know. Thank you for We're listening. Thank- really? We're thanking you? Yeah. Actually, thank yeah, you for I'm putting just gonna, this uh, episode. This is a pretty I'm, bad one. 
Yeah, it was just ultra geeky and nerdy. Six seven eight nine 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 six three two one. TG at tweakinggeek.com. Visit us at www.tweakinggeek.com. Or you can join our Facebook group at www.facebook.com. <laughs> or, or, or follow us on Twitter. Twitter. www.twitter.com. Wow. So, Are there any .coms we skipped? <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, farewell to, uh, was it Tripod? GeoCities. Yeah, GeoCities is officially shut down, so uh, you can no longer reach Tweet and Geek at GeoCities. The GeoCities page has been moved over to Bright Height. And I see, <laughs> I see you can send us a Google Wave, but I'm the only one of Tweet and Geek in that. So Yeah, I, I have a feeling that you you and Rudy also are are uh, holding out, or unless you secretly gave Mike an invitation. I, no, that's I, what I think. Mike, are you on I, Google Wave? I'm not allowed to disclose that due to an hey, idea. If I find everybody at Tweet has a Google Wave account other than me, I will go on a murderous rampage. So, so I can honestly tell you that as of November 10th, I have no invites for Google Wave yet. Okay. It, and it, it took me about three days when someone invited me to get in. Right, and Lori's not in yet either. Nope. So, so wasn't there some bet revolving that that she lost? Probably. We can talk about it since she's not on the podcast. She is, however, behind me. Shh. You mean she supports you? <laughs> yes, that's exactly what I mean. <laughs> okay, so everybody... All right, so uh, in the next... The one, end. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're all lame. Um, or understanding the behavior of Craig's... <laughs> 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 Gravity is basically negligible uh, for very small masses. Kind of like Craig's. Kind of like <laughs> okay, so let's... I'm so glad that took off. <laughs> yes, that was lovely. Because, because Craig's are like electrons in that you know they exist, but they have next to no mass. <laughs> <laughs> All right, are, are we done? <laughs> Although they're unlike electrons in that they don't orbit around a larger body. <laughs> wow. <laughs> the sixth grade call. They want their sense of humor back. <laughs> I never Thank thought you. I'd get to abuse Craig's b- in this podcast either. Whoa! <laughs> wow. Worst, worst ending ever. Now here's the worst ending ever. <laughs> Sarah, yeah, what's, that, what's that 21 meter thing? <laughs> what's that 7 meter thing coming directly at me? Oh, that is an artificially reconstructed p- <laughs> Ha, 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 ha,